Welcome to the Community Hope Podcast. We exist to share hope with more people in more places. For more information on this podcast or our church, please visit communityhope.org. Now stay tuned for our Sermon of the Week. So, yes, we are um, in a series called Jesus and We. So we're going to be talking about that more today. We've been walking through different faith statements that we've been talking about as a church. Because I believe it's important that we talk about our collective relationship. So many times we talk about Jesus and me, but I want to talk about Jesus and we. It's one thing, to, you can pray and talk to God on your own, but there's something special about praying with somebody else. You can sing to God on your own, but there's something about coming together and singing to, to God together. There's something powerful about our collective relationship. And so that's what we've been talking about for the past few weeks, and that's what we're wrapping up today talking about that I believe we can do infinitely more together than we could ever do apart. So week one, we looked at a statement. This was our faith statement from week one, that we will lead the way with extravagant generosity. Week two, we looked at this statement, that we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. The church does not exist for us We are the church, and we exist for the world. So today, here's our faith statement. I'm going to show you this statement. This is what we're going to be looking at today. Everybody say this with me. Say, we are faith-filled, big-thinking, risk-takers. That's the statement that we're going to be looking at today. Now, where in the world do I get this? Well, I'm just going to just, you know where we we take our cues from. We've been walking through the book of John since the 1st of January. We've been walking through the book of John, and today's going to be no different. We're going to be looking at the eyewitness account of John. And today we're going to look at something Jesus said, which I believe is one of the most shocking, the most terrifying, one of the most unbelievable things that Jesus ever said. We're going to be looking at that today. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. And I just want to remind you the context in which Jesus is saying this. This is what we refer to as the Last Supper. And so if if I were telling you that you're going to get together with all your closest friends and family today for a meal, but it's going to be the last meal that you're ever going to get to share with them, I'm just guessing that you would take that conversation very, very seriously. I'm just guessing that you probably wouldn't talk about the weather. I'm guessing you would talk about the most important things, and that's what Jesus is doing here in this moment. He knows this is his last opportunity to speak into his disciples. And so here he is, he is sharing with them, and this is the context for what we're going to talk about today. But before we get to that, I'm going to say something that I'm not sure I'm allowed to say. I don't believe what we're about to read. I've wrestled with this all week long. I've not experienced these verses to be true in my own life. Just about everything that I will get up here today and get up here week after week and preach to you, I can say, this is true, I've experienced it for myself, but I'm just going to let you know, not these verses. Am I allowed to say that? And I'm just guessing, I'm just going to say with probably just about 100% accuracy, these verses that I'm just going to read to you, I'm just going to guess that you haven't experienced them to be true either. 
So I've really, really wrestled with this all week long. I said, God, how in the world can I get up in front of these people and preach something that I've not experienced for myself? You're wondering, what in the world are we going to read, aren't you? Like, did, he, did he find some new tablet somewhere? Like, what's he talking about? Well, we're going to cut to the chase. Here we are, John chapter 14. Here's the statement that we're going to look at today. John chapter 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. He goes on here in verse 13. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, what in the world do I mean by I've not experienced these verses to be true? Well, let's go back to verse 12, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Here in verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. I can't stand in front of you today and say I'm doing greater works than Jesus. In fact, I would, it would really be a stretch for me to get up in here today and say I'm doing the same works as Jesus. Now, if you've experienced this to be true, if you're doing greater works than Jesus, I'll give you the stage. Anybody? I'd love to hear the stories. Because I would think they'd be doing press articles about you if you're doing greater works than Jesus. So no one else has experienced this to be true either? I'm not the only one? So no one else in this room is doing greater works than Jesus. So what do we do with this? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. He starts off by saying, I tell you the what? He didn't say, I start off by telling you a story. He said, I tell you the truth. So why have I not experienced this to be true? See, one of the things I'm just crazy enough to do is I will say publicly what you think privately. I am, because I, every sermon I've ever sat through, every preacher who ever referenced this, I'm privately thinking, I've not experienced that. What are you talking about? I mean, they get up here, and maybe you weren't raised in a Pentecostal church, but see, I was. I was raised in churches where the pastor, man, I've just really beaten these, everything up today. I'm throwing microphones around. and Preachers get up, and they spit, and they scream. And, well, the Bible says, we'll do greater works than Jesus. And you're like, great. <laughs> how? Like, how? How do, how do I do this? Like, what, what does this look like? So, for what I'm going to offer you today, I don't believe is an answer to this tension that we wrestle with. Because let's be honest, it's a tension. And I'm just going to admit that tension. Okay? Because see what Diane shared in our, in our worship today is very, very true. It was. It was one year ago. I can show you the picture. My son called me. He said, Dad, can you come get me? And I see out in the field our van rolled and him sitting outside of the van unscratched. You see the tension with that is? Because I know people, that wasn't their story. Let's just be honest. I, I know people, that wasn't their story. And so they hear our story and they go, but why didn't God do that for me? Let's just admit the tension today. Because I'm not going to come up here today and give you preacher talk. I'm going to be honest about the tension. There's some things that Jesus said that we read and we go, I'm not sure what to do with that. 
So what I'm going to offer you today, I don't believe it's an answer, but I think it's just maybe the first step towards an answer. Because I was asking God, I was being real honest with God, God, why? You said, (laughs) see, I even, I was even trying to get a way around it. Like, I was looking these words up in the Greek. I looked up anyone in the Greek. You know what it means in Greek? (laughs) Surprise, it means anyone. Shocker. And see, I know there were lots of things that Jesus said that were specific people, specific audience, but I think I know his specific audience. Anyone who believes in me. Does that apply to you? So Jesus is talking to us, so I can't get out of it that way. Um, So what what do I do with this? And this was the revelation that Jesus gave to me that I think, like I said, is just the first step towards an answer. And here's what Jesus revealed to me. And I'm just going to be honest with you, this one might hurt a little bit. So I always want to give this caveat. If you're a guest with us today, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can breathe a sigh of relief because this isn't about you, right? You're like, I'm not one of those crazy Christians, so I don't even know what they're talking about. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Why am I not doing the same works? And this is what God revealed to me. And this one hurts just a little bit. And here's what I, the, the thought that I want to present to you. Maybe I'm not doing what Jesus did because I'm not willing to risk what Jesus risked. You know what Jesus' reward was for all of his works? He was nailed to a cross. See, unfortunately, in America in 2019, we've made Christianity really, really, really safe. And that's why I want to constantly bring missionaries before you to tell you in other parts of the world, their experience is way different than our experience in America in 2019. Now, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm not asking for persecution, I don't want to be thrown in jail. I, you know, I, I like safe just as much as you do. I'm, I'm not asking for danger, but at the same time, I have to be honest. I think there's times when I don't risk what Jesus risks, so that's why I'm not doing what Jesus did, because I'm not willing to risk what he risked. So here's the next maybe shocking thing I want to challenge you with today. It's, it's, it's this statement that I want, I want you to, to ponder with me. See, this is, a, this is a faith statement for us. This may not be our reality, but that's the great thing about faith is this is who I want to be. That I'm a, I'm a faith-filled, big-thinking risk-taker. Why is that? Because of this, as I believe you cannot play it safe and please God. I know every parent in the room, you're sitting next to a kid, you just cover their ears. Because parents, what do we want from our kids? Please just play it safe. Please just be safe. But the last thing we want from our kids is them to be risk takers. Every, you're like, I know what that preacher said, but don't you dare listen to him, okay? And don't. Where in the world do I get this thought? You cannot play it safe and please God. Where do I come up with this nonsense? Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 11 tells us. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is not Brad Singleton talking. The writer of Hebrews tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So here's my next question to you. Is faith safe? Is faith safe? Because God says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So I think Hebrews 11.1 telling us is that it's not safe. You can't play it safe and please God. But the crazy thing about Christianity here in 2019 in America is we say things that Jesus never said. Have you ever heard this said? The safest place is in the center of God's will. You ever heard that Christian saying? If not, that's the thing that we've taught. The safest place is in the center of God's will. 
that sounds great. I wish that was true. I would love for that to be true, but it's not. Would you say that Jesus was in the center of God's will? He was nailed to a cross. Would you say that his followers were in the center of God's will? His 12 disciples were in the center of God's will. Every single one of them were martyred for their faith or their lives were attempted to be taken. They were in the center of God's will. I don't think it's the safest place to be. I'll just be real transparent with you. I think it's the most dangerous place you can be is in the center of God's will. You're not used to hearing this at church, are you? That's why you're all looking at me like, what? Are you making all this up? No, see, again, this is what we experienced in 2019 in America, but we live in a bubble. There are millions of Christians around the world where it's the worst thing you can do to become a Christian. You lose your family, there's attempts on your life, and you try to tell them, hey, the safest place is in the center of God's will. They're like, what? We've made Christianity safe, and, and that's unfortunate, because I don't think that's what Jesus came to teach us. I think Jesus showed us something else. You can't play it safe and please God. Jesus flipped everything on his head. So the reason why we play it safe is because we're afraid. We're, we're afraid that we're going to fail. We're afraid that we're going to take a risk and it's, it's not going to work out the way we thought. And, and I get that. I understand that. See, one of my most favorite characters in all the Bible is Peter. Peter's just like me. Like, I love the, way, the risk that he would take to follow. He's the only one other than Jesus who walked on water. You know why? Because he didn't play it safe. He didn't play it safe. He was risky. In fact, I, I want to show you a verse where, from this story, Matthew chapter 14. Now, I, do, I know we've had a lot of tension in the room, but I want everybody to take a deep breath because here's where I'm going to give you a little release, especially for all the parents in the room. Okay? So, Young people, teenager, I'm not talking about stupid, okay? Let's just be honest. I'm not talking about stupid. Look at what Peter says here. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Because if you can't swim, it better be Jesus telling you to walk on water. Because you're going to die. This wasn't Peter going, woohoo! You know, Peter wasn't like some adrenaline junkie. Woohoo! We're going to walk on water today. No, he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me. So when I'm talking about risk-taking, that's the kind of risk-taking I'm talking about. God told me to do this, so I'm doing it. I'm not talking about being stupid. I have teenagers, so I have to, I have to put that caveat in there. I'm not talking about stupid. I'm talking about, God, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. So that's what Jesus does. He says, come. So Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, there's a reason why I want you to see these words, got down, because we tend to think, when we hear this story, we think that somehow Peter was in the rowboat, you know, and he could, like, test this thing. You know, he could have one foot in the boat and put one foot on the water and say, is this going to work? Because that's the way we want faith to be. We want the safety and the security of having one leg in the boat and one foot on the water. That's what we want. Okay, Lord, you said walk on the water. Is this really going to work? That's not what Peter did. He got down out of the boat. You know how Peter walked on water? Like this. He had to jump. There was no testing it. There was no, well, let's see if this is going to work. It was 100% all in. And here's the principle that I want you to see from this. And is we don't, We're not comfortable with this either, but I want you to see this. You can have faith, you can have control, but you can't have both. And that's what we want. 
We want one leg in the boat and one foot putting it out there in the water. Okay, Lord, I'm going to try this. That's not the way faith works. You can have faith, you can have control, but you can't have both. And let's just face it, let's just be honest. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a control freak. We all are, every single one of us in this room, we're control freaks. So Jesus says, walk on the water, you're like, ah, can I just test it first? So that's what we want. Again, that's our culture, 2019 in America. What do we say? Risk-free, money-back guarantee. There's no risk. Just try it. When God says, no, all in. Jump out of the boat. Jump out of the boat. So that's what Peter does. And he starts to walk on water. But then it changes. Look at this. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. So, again, here's a little bit of the relief, because when I read this verse, anyone who believes in me will do the things that I do. I get very self-conscious, and I somehow think I'm not enough. I somehow think there's something wrong with my faith. I somehow think that I'm missing something. But here's what I want you to see. You know how Peter walked on water? Because where his focus was. As long as Peter's focus was on Jesus, he could do what Jesus was doing. When he was watching, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And his focus is on Jesus, and he's walking on the water. When did things go wrong? When he looked around. And he had a thought, a very, very true thought. I can't walk on water. Blah, 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 blah. That's when he began to sink. As long as his eyes, his focus was on Jesus, he could do what Jesus was doing. That's the only kind of answer I have to you, offer you today. Is the only way I will ever do what Jesus is doing is because my focus is on him. And he said, walk on the water, so I'm walking. If I go, well, pastor said, be a big thinking, risk taker. Let's go walk on water today. You're going to drown. Because this isn't about us stirring up our faith. It's just about us simply saying, okay, God, I'll follow you. Where do you want me to go? And it's when we look around and we see the storm and we realize, I can't walk on water. That's when we sink. But what I love about this story, as soon as he began to sink, he says, Lord, save me. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He saves him. As long as Peter's focus was on Jesus, he was doing what Jesus was doing Peter shows us you can't play it safe and please God. There was 11 boys that sat in a boat there and never touched the water. Why? Because they were playing it safe. Peter's the only one who got to walk on water because he was the faith-filled, big-thinking risk-taker. Everyone else, see, it would have been a different story that day when they all got together. Peter, what were you thinking? You could have drowned. Yeah, but I got four steps on the water. You joker sat in the boat. Four steps. What you got? That was an interesting conversation that day. He was a faith-filled, big-thinking risk taker. He said, no, I think you, just, you can't play it safe and please God. I was just willing. I said, Lord, if it's you, and I did it. You guys sat in the boat. No one tells their story. So say this with me. Say, we are. Faith-filled, big-thinking, risk-takers. You didn't think you could say that in church, did you? But that's what God's challenging us to do. This is what I believe. We will never insult God with safe living. 
You've never heard a preacher say that before, have you? Next thing I want to challenge you with is that we will never insult God with small thinking. Because listen to the next thing he says here in this verse. You can ask for, watch that word, anything. I'll be, again, I'll be really transparent with you. I wrestle with this because I've asked God for a lot of things in his name, and he didn't do it. So I did my research. I went and looked up anything in the Greek. You know what anything means in Greek? Shocker, it means anything. I thought maybe it meant some things. No, he said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Let's just be honest, this is intimidating, this is challenging. Because some of us in this room, we've prayed bold, specific, anything kind of prayers and God didn't do it. And you know what happens to us after we have that experience? We start praying really safe prayers after that because we don't want to be hurt again we start praying really safe prayers and i'm just as guilty of as anybody else so here's what i want to challenge you with i want to challenge you with this thought think about this what would happen if god answered your boldest prayers think about the past seven days if god said a blanket yes to everything you prayed over the past seven days how different would the world look would millions of people be, be, be saved or would your food be blessed? Now, if you pray and God answer it to bless your food, I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but guess what? That's a safe prayer. Because how do we know if God does or he doesn't? Well, I ate that meal and didn't die, so God must have blessed my food. Okay, I guess that's just me again. That's okay. Think about it. If God answered our boldest prayers for the past seven days, how would our world look? When we pray bold prayers and God says no, we're tempted to draw back and begin to start praying safe prayers. Prayers that we're not even really sure. How do we even know if God answered that prayer or not? We pray safe prayers. And God said, I want you to ask me for anything. You can ask for anything in my name. Again, this is a struggle. This is a struggle because I've prayed big, bold, specific prayers. And God said no, so how do I reconcile that with this? What do I do with this tension? Here's the word. Here's, again, the next step that I think God helped me in understanding this. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. And see, I don't know what your experience has been like, but that's been my experience. I'm saying, I'm praying a bold, specific prayer. God, do this. And God says, no, I'm going to do this. Why? Because this brings glory to my name. And that's where I get frustrated. But God, no, I ask you for this. And God said, no, I'm going to do this instead because it brings glory to my name. So what's the principle that I showed you earlier? The principle shows up right here in this verse again. <laughs> you can have faith. You can have control, but you can't have both. So when we come to God and we pray bold, specific prayers, and God says, no, I'm going to do this instead, will we continue to trust him? And will we continue to believe? Here's the next thing that God showed me as I wrestled with this. And here's where, I know that this has very been challenging, but here's where the part where it gets really, really exciting, okay? Because I never want to leave you on a, oh, wow, that was fun going to church today and getting beat up. Wow. Now, I want to I end with a, a more positive note. And here's the, here's the fun thing. This is where God showed me, too. What if you are the answer to someone else's prayer? Okay? 
Now, let me just talk through this for a minute, okay? Let's just say, for instance, Mitchell is praying a bold, specific prayer. God, I'm broke. I need $100 by Friday for whatever. Fill in the blank. He's, it's a bold, specific prayer. God, I don't have it. I need $100 by Friday. On Thursday, God talks to me. He says, give Mitchell $100. And I start to argue with God. But God, he doesn't need $100. He's wearing a North Face sweatshirt. Like, obviously, he's got money, God. I mean, look at him. Like, he's rolling in the dough. He's fine. What do you mean give him $100? I need that $100. What are you talking about? And I argue with God, and I just keep saying no, and I don't give him the $100. Was it God's fault that he's got, his prayer didn't get answered or mine? God was answering his prayer. He talked to me. He said, give him the $100. And I said, no. And Mitchell may go through the rest of his life frustrated. God, why didn't you answer that prayer? And God's up in heaven and says, I did. Go talk to Brad about it. Get Brad in the headlock. Rough him up a little bit. See, that's the negative part of it, but here's the positive part of it. What if I said yes, and I said, here you go, Mitchell, and Mitchell has a breakthrough in his faith because I said yes to God. He said he prayed a bold, specific prayer, and because I said yes, he got his prayer answered. What if you are the answer to someone else's prayer? And what we've been talking about for the past three weeks is what if we are the answer to someone else's prayer? What if us together are the answer to someone else's prayer? Because I believe we can do infinitely more together than we could ever do apart. And so that's why we've been having these faith statements that we've been walking through. Because I want to challenge you to think bigger, to think bolder, that what can Jesus do through us? Through us, the power of we. That's why week one we said we will lead the way with extravagant generosity. Because when I say, God, I'll be extravagantly generous, I get to be the answer to someone else's prayer. That's why we said we will lead the way with extravagant generosity. Because when I say yes, I get to be a part of God answering someone else's prayer. That's why we said week two that we're not going to be spiritual consumers that we are going to be spiritual contributors, that the church does not exist for us, that we are the church and we exist for the world. So again, if you're a guest with us today, our hope is that we would invite you into family. But I want you to see what family looks like around here. We know where our focus is. And we said we're the church and we exist for the world. And when we operate this way, we get to be the answer to someone else's prayer. And that's why I challenge you with this thought today that we are faith-filled, big-thinking risk-takers because when we are, we get to be the answer to someone else's prayer. If you were impacted by this sermon or if you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Community Hope on Facebook and Instagram or at our website, communityhope.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next week. Hope has any-